Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. And we have a lot of cool things to cover and by cool things, I mean things that are going to make you want to rip your hair out because of course that's that's what we do on the show. That's like our specialty, our genre. Um, we have drag queens and children once again being thrown together. Why? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. This time an R-rated, specifically pretty, pretty shocking stuff type of drag queen was invited to an elementary school. Parents predictably not that pleased. Who, who could have guessed? Then the Young Turks and uh, a union are going head to head in some delicious irony. Uh, we have a feminist who is literally saying to abolish the family. Like that's not hyperbole, mm -hmm. her words. Uh, and then we're going to finish the show with a segment on the new anti-Greta that you guys may have heard of. Um, it's going to be a fun time. Before we get into it, first off, huge thank you to everyone watching. If you are a live viewer, don't forget that after the show ends, maybe about an hour into the stream, we will be going over Super Chats, talking about your comments, questions, concerns. Uh, I know it's very controversial on the show when I wear red lipstick. Last time I got <laughs> emails, true. maybe yeah. we'll get some comments about that. <laughs> and um, yeah, so stay tuned for that. And of course, big thank you to our sponsor for the show, Home Title Lock. It's shocking, guys, that your home can be stolen this easy. A lot of people don't know about it, but that's the brutal lesson Deborah learned when thieves found her home's title online, forged it, and literally took ownership of her home. In an instant, thieves legally owned Deborah's home, and she got evicted and spent a fortune in legal fees trying to get it back. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and you do not want to be next. That's why I urge you, protect the title. Protect the online title to your home with Home Title Lock today. The legal documents to our homes are kept online where thieves hunt them. A lot of people don't know about that. They forge the documents stating you sold your home, then they borrow against your home and stick you with the payments. Insurance doesn't protect you and a bank won't protect you either, but Home Title Lock does. So you could already be a victim of title fraud and not know it. You can find out the register your home at HomeTitleLock.com and enter Lauren for one month of free protection. Again, enter Lauren for one month free at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Okay, so once again, we are discussing the issue of uh, drag queens and children. And the fact that this is not only something we need to talk about on this show, but something worthy of recurring segments. Yeah, Multiple. that's crazy. And it just makes me, every time we have one of these segments, yeah. I think, oh... The slippery slope is just uh, it's it's a wonderful thing. Yes. No, it's real. I remember the first drag queen story hour there was at a library. We covered it. And I think it was when our show with CRTV was just starting. So this was like maybe two and a half years ago That's or right. two years. Yeah. Like I remember that. Um, and people at the time were just, it's just one. Come on, guys. Like you're being reactionary. It's just one. Look at where we are now. They've this is a whole genre. Yeah. I don't understand why this is being picked up. I mean, I understand it, but I don't want to. Um, yeah, there's like this weird need some people have to use drag as children's entertainment. Um, regardless of what your thoughts are on the LGBT movement, if you're waving rainbow flags or if you're more eh, not for me, I feel like we should be able to come together as a society and say drag not for children like that shouldn't be controversial i don't i don't like that we even need to say this mm. anymore um it, it's, it's just it's adult entertainment not suitable for children we're gonna have some examples of that some disturbing disturbing examples of that in this show like you enjoy drag you like watching it you do you doesn't mean it's okay for kids um so this kind of thinking that having drag queens in schools in order to expose them to, I guess, LGBT issues. And that's usually what the guys that it's done under. Oh, we need to have drag queens in because it teaches kids about being tolerant and acceptance and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, a, 
there are other ways to do that, right? right. You can besides literally exposing them to LGBTQ issues in, yeah. in the most literal sense of yeah, it's like we don't them, we don't yeah. want you to be homophobic. Therefore, we're gonna invite a man over dressed in women's clothing, right? And yeah. like almost like a parody of what women look like to read to you doesn't really make a sense. sexual parody yeah. of course like way over sexualized every time exactly and i think it's like also we've been seeing lately that people are trying to associate like lgbt identities with being flamboyant like pete Buttigieg, for example has been getting criticized for mm. being like i don't know straight passing i get like he's too normal he's not queer enough he's not no. flamboyant enough uh dave rubin gets that all the time he's told oh you're not really gay and i think people rag on blair white as well for like being too normal seeing it like seeming and i think there are really people who do think that to be lgbt be is yeah to be just this flamboyant like out there it's like no they're all stripes of different lgbt people i would say the drag queen is not representative of most of them. Anyway, we have two different stories that relate to this. Um, the first one I saw in an article from the Mary Sue. It's about Nina West, who apparently she was on, I think, RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag Race. I've mm. I've heard of that show, haven't watched it myself. But here, this article it says Nina West is the kind of drag queen who is all about the beauty of drag and extending that love and understanding to those around her. I think it's weird how they keep trying to make drag into like this huge social statement about love and acceptance. I, I've seen their performances. That's yeah, not the vibe I get. No, and I, I honestly unless it's the physical sense of love. Well, that that there's that, but I honestly need to be educated on this stuff. I don't know what the heck they mean by is drag a gender identity now? Is it? No, it's like because they refer performance. To, it's a performance, but they refer to them as a her. If it's a male dressed as a female, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's I don't like, know how it works. I don't get it. Because like, are they part I of LGBT like or are they her just? Her refers to the persona, like the character. Yeah, you're probably right, but it's like, why are they part of LGBT then? Because are they all gay or are they kind of uh, just? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, just... I, I'm assuming that these these men are gay, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to pull a thought uh, thread. Okay, you you raise good points. I don't have the answers. Um, they say whether it's through sharing messages of love as a contestant on, there we go, RuPaul's Drag Race or her own music videos, she's constantly showing us a world filled with love and acceptance. That comes across beautifully in her latest video, The Drag Alphabet. So this is a, a drag performer that's specifically making content for children. The latest features amazing kids from all backgrounds, including Daniela Macheri, Maseri, a deaf teen from Burbank, California, very intersectional, and Ivy Alona, an openly transgender deaf nine-year-old. Mm. I think they mean a, a nine-year-old with some parents who have made very disturbing choices. <laughs> Continues right. both sign in the video. They couldn't even hear what decisions they were making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like including a deaf kid in a in a music video is kind of yeah. How much they getting out of that. Um, and it's truly emotional to see a beautiful group of children. I would agree it's emotional. Probably not the same emotions that I'm feeling, though. Uh, embracing the world of drag and inclusivity. We have a clip of the music video here. I mean, like, viewer discretion advised. It's not explicit, but it's just I want to warn you guys. Yes. Yeah. Hey, kids. You know what's even more fun than the alphabet? The drag alphabet. I need your help to sing it with me. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go! A is for absolutely, absolutely. B is for busted, C is for clock that mug, and D is for divine. Health. E is for everything, and F is for fierceness, G is for get a 
from girl and H comes before I. I yeah. used to watch Blue's Clues when I was a kid. That was like, that was my jam, mm. you know, just. But you got this now. And yeah. I mean, to me, it looked like they couldn't even teach the alphabet right. That C was clearly a G in my yeah. books. At least everywhere I was taught, that's not how a C looks. Yeah, you, you did point that out. And it's like, I, anyway, we, we have more to read uh, about from that article. The writer says, I got to talk to Nina about her new video and the importance of teaching to younger audiences. She told me I wanted to start right at the top and make it really just basically children's entertainment and children's phases of the alphabet. That was really my goal. Take the song we released on the EP last year and kind of start over and reintroduce myself into the children's space. And so I really, yeah, like why specifically heck? in children's space? I really wanted to have a colorful, vibrant video that helped to do that. I think I'm naturally good with children and drag is the art form I perform right now. I mean, I'm an actor and I've done other kinds of work and performance, but no one else is doing it. Um, disagree. Too many people are doing That's it. Right. Too many. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems to be a no brainer. Debatable. What's more fun than a really bright, colorful palette and a big personality to help with things such as simple as the ABCs or lessons in kindness and generosity and loving yourself and knowing that you're worth something. Okay. If it was just about, hey, I want to bring bright, colorful entertainment to kids, teach them about love and kindness and the alphabet, like there was already entertainment that did it that didn't involve drag. Like the only reason yes. you're including drag is to promote drag. There are a billion different ways to do children's entertainment that have all the things you're talking about that don't include adult entertainment adult entertainment and that's the yeah. thing it's like blair white did a video where she kind of talked about it drag is intrinsically a, a, an adult performance all right it's like burlesque if if you're if you, i were a burlesque performer and i was like hey i want to take this art form and perform it for children odds are people would be like no. <laughs> How about no? But even if I were like, no, but don't worry, guys, I'm going to tone it down. I'm going to make it more, you know, child friendly. And it's just going to be a way for me to like dance and entertain the kids. They would still be like, no. Like, how about you just you, you take the kids entertainment, but you nix the burlesque part, right? Because there are there are just things that are not OK for children. It's like if you were to have a, a kids bake sale concert thing, and you're like, hey, I think I can get Marilyn Manson. And then the parents were like, I don't know if he's the best fit, but you're like, it's okay. He won't perform any explicit songs. They would still probably have reservations, right? Because some things are just not meant for children. And case in point, I went through some of Nina's other videos. I have, I do the weirdest like research for this show, by the way. Yeah. Like our, our search histories are forever. Google must think we're insane. Yeah. The NSA must be like, I don't even want to know what these people are up to anymore. I just, I don't want to know. Um, I wanted to see what Nina's per other performances were like, and uh, I didn't. <laughs> guess no. what? Uh, as as usual, I am right. This is not kid friendly. We have oh. a clip of the Liam's groaning because he knows. No, what's this about one's to bad. Come. This one is actually like viewer discretion genuinely advised. This, this is, is going this to is... make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Like if if you're watching this alone, this is going to be a perfect time for someone to walk in. Yeah. See what's on your screen, <laughs> and then have questions and if you're an audio only listener on a podcast platform don't worry we're going to be describing it after let's see it again this time the little piggy wants to eat an apple this little piggy wants to walk out and this little piggy is
So if you didn't have video for that, what uh, what just happened was during one of Nina's performances, she brings up this man onto stage and begins like what sucking on his toes as part of. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like uh, I went from revulsion where I didn't really watch the video. Yeah. To like the mathematical brain took over and I just started calculating, like watching without any emotion, <laughs> thinking about how much napalm is required. Yeah, essentially. You know? Because this is, that's sick. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's just sick. And, and by the way, big shout out to our editor because how we prepare for this show is I'll just like send him all of these clips. And so he doesn't know the context of what we're going to be talking about. He just like gets a, a ton of clips of the weirdest things and has to watch them. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, But yeah, why why wouldn't you want this performer at your school doing your kids music videos i mean come on just cleaning your kids feet for, yeah, for pete's sake exactly teaching them hygiene uh <laughs> that's actually not the worst of the stories though because like at least this person the character nina is just on the internet for now like people can choose parents can opt in or out whether they want to expose their kids to that uh, but that wasn't the case for parents of children at one elementary school in scotland and like we were just talking about this before scotland is pretty like pretty progressive like they make the rest of the uk look yeah it's weird it's always like a lot of these stories are coming out of scotland yeah a lot of them do and it's it's strange to me i mean i guess we had like a historical hint with the kilt that, that there's something going on <laughs> yeah uh and don't don't get me wrong it's traditional i get it hey but but we did just do that entire uh episode our last episode about like their the social bbc's one of their networks that was for scotland them. super yeah. if you remember there was that uh teacher and kid who got in a huge argument that male teacher yeah because about, you, you you can talk about a gender binary in yes. some scottish school or something a, bi- a lot of things that. and then in fact of course uh, count dankula everything that yeah. happened with him exactly uh, so i don't know you, you scots you need to work on things um okay so this this story is from the scottish sun and uh, actually i don't think we have it here but the one of the taglines on their website was what a drag so that's that's clever. That's got to um, be the most used pun for drag I know, queens. In the I know. Book. Come on, uh, man. come on. <laughs> but they report fury has erupted after a drag queen who shares sexualized content on social media visited a Scots primary school and spoke to P1 kids. Wait, so you're saying this wasn't one of the child-friendly, completely completely PG drag queens? Shocking. Uh, Flow job. The character's name is read a story to kids aged four up to P7 at Glencote's primary school, Paisley, as she visited along with MP. Mary Black, I guess. I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation. She has regularly uploaded graphic pictures to Twitter, including of stimula- simulating a sex act with a dildo and simulating oral sex. The drag queen also shared a picture of EastEnders star Ian Beale being throttled by Max Branning with the caption, I need a daddy like this. Parents have hit out at the school saying the visit was outrageous and disgusting and that they were not informed of it, it happening. One parent said, well, I don't agree with the abuse being given, which, by the way, after this occurred, uh, the social media account for the school had to go into lockdown because people were so upset. Uh, My kids go to the school. There was no information fed to parents about this happening. Surely that's a parent's choice. I'm happy my child is learning about LGBT, but it's overtaking the school now something every week. They also continue that women and children's rights group 4women.scot also hit out. They wrote, sending abusive messages to a school is not okay. Yeah, like these parents were really, really mad. But questions about this are legitimate. A male who dresses as a sexualized parody of a woman goes by the name Flowjob is hardly a role model for primary age children. Did no one check this? While we are pleased Flo is planning to go clean because on top of it, apparently this drag queen has addiction issues. Introducing to a primary school someone who only faced up addiction issues days ago is hardly considerate adult entertainment is for adult adults 
what is wrong with these school administrators? Like, I swear. That's Sometimes crazy. I worry that when I become a parent, I worry that I won't, I'm not going to make the best choices for my kids. Like, They're going to be overprotective. That's for sure. Probably. Like a little bit of hel helicoptering going on. I, I mm. admit it's probably going to happen. They're gonna, gonna they're be, gonna come to me whenever they want something. Uh, That's the truth. Yeah, I, I probably will be stricter. But at least <laughs> I'm not gonna like. I have no doubt I can handle like issues related to children better than whoever thought it would be a good idea to invite FlowJob over. I feel like that's kids. a teacher that does not, or some administrator that doesn't yeah. have kids of their own. To be honest, and that that's the most atrocious part. It's not even teaching their kids, right? Yeah. But I mean, as as bad as the school administrators are, it's like. It's 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 all our faults too. Like we're the ones who kind of cultivated this, who put people like that in power, who allows who allowed them to have this amount of power. It's everybody's fault. And uh, like even I'm not sure whether these people specifically have kids, but at some of the drag queen story hours, parents are the ones who are bringing their kids. Like when they have them yep. at public libraries, yeah. and it's like it's true. Cassandra Fairbanks, she she made a good point. Someone had shared another video of some drag queen story hour, and she said, "I don't even want my kids." hanging out with kids whose parents think this is okay, mm. which I totally relate to. Like, what is what is going on with that? Right. Like, you want to teach kids about acceptance and love and tolerance, and you think the only way or, like, the best way is to do that through drag? Like, did what? Like, millennials didn't have this type of thing in school, and we're, like, the most tolerant generation there is. So tolerant, we think it's okay to bring drag queens into, <laughs> into schools. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh. Actually, I've, before we go on, I have an important clarification to make. There's been a lot of comments saying that the, the foot sucking thing, we didn't cl weren't clear enough. They were doing that with adults. The foot sucking was with oh, adults. Yeah. And that's fair. But the point is, the point that we're missing here is that all of this is that people it's that not had, for yeah, these, children's these same, entertainment. These same people that are entertaining children with alphabet and storytelling are have very, very uh sexualized performances lives, yeah performances like, that are easy this, to find this is drag culture that's yes. what we're saying this is par for the course when you yeah. go to drag performances drag performances drag as an art form is not a child friendly thing that's it's right. not like like i said before it would be like taking burlesque and trying to make uh, also it people don't know friendly. what that means as well oh my um, goodness. so burlesque come on it's like a the boudoir thing like yeah. women um in like what do you call it corsets and Listen, we should have just gone with GIMP. Everybody understands what a GIMP is. I don't know what that is. You've never seen Pulp Fiction? Yeah, what's... Remember the guy in the, in the rubber, in the... Um, the uh, that's a, that's like a an GIMP. American Horror Story. I don't know. I haven't seen that. Okay. But yeah, well. if, if a GIMP's telling... <laughs> that's the next step. Yeah. No, but it's like, yeah, you could take someone in one of those suits yeah. and put it in front of kids. And maybe the kids won't know the context. And you could be like, what? There's nothing explicitly sexual about it. But it's like all the adults know. What's going on? What's here? going on? Yeah. What's up? It's like, why are you exposing this to kids? It's goodness. Um. Anyway, this tweet, I thought, oh, actually, no, we have another insert where we actually have photos of FlowJob right here. Um, if you're listening on an audio platform, I don't, I, there are no words. It, it's just, it's very clearly a middle-aged man in lingerie and poorly applied makeup. Okay. You need to learn how to blend. The wing eyeliner is all over the place. Mm, anyway. Shots fired. Yeah. Um, there, there's this tweet that I found related to the incident that I thought made a great, great point. It's by Kathleen Stock. She said, speaking as one who as a kid would have benefited from gay visibility in my Scottish primary, is it, I don't know, possible for society to find middle ground between kids shouldn't know what gay is and let's get drag queens called flow job in to read them stories? Yeah, I feel like we've we've lost the plot. We've gone off the deep end. Um, maybe we are the bad guys in the grand story of the, like if if this is what we're condoning. Mm. I don't I don't know if we can still call ourselves the good guys. Okay, 
So next up, we have the Young Turks and uh, their apparent union busting. I love this story. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I have a quick message from Daily Harvest. Awesome sponsor, awesome product. We're all overbooked, overstimulated, and constantly running on empty. A lot of us barely have enough time to eat complete meals, let alone prepare healthy ones right here. But being busy doesn't mean you have to resort to takeout or overly processed food, which is a trap we can all fall into when we start having less free time. That's why I love Daily Harvest harvest they deliver the food you want to eat but don't have time to make right to your door guys i've said it before and i'll say it again i am a sucker for subscription services having things delivered to me it's like a present you can order for yourself and it just shows up on your door that's what daily harvest is for food you can eat healthy delicious food and save time. So Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat more fruits and vegetables with thoughtfully sourced chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less. You can choose from more than 65 different options like smoothies, hearty soups, harvest bowls, and overnight oats. Each recipe takes one step to prepare with room to make them your own. You can add your favorite milk to blend up a smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl and top it with an avocado or fried egg. So whether you're at home or at your desk or on the go, Daily Harvest is the easiest way to have a delicious and nutritious meal or snacks. So you've got to go to dailyharvest.com and enter the promo code CHEN to get $25 off your first box. That is huge savings. So that's the promo code CHEN for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Again, that's dailyharvest.com with the code CHEN. All right, so our friends at the Young Turks, apparently they're struggling with those dang unions, those those dang troublesome unions who have... Uh, They've ironically been strong defenders of in the past, but it turns out it's it's a bit of a different story when it's their business involved. Uh, hmm. Yeah, this is a topic. It's been trending online, but let's start at the beginning for anyone who's maybe not caught up on the situation. So on February 12th, a social media account claiming to be the official union at TYT, uh, they released this statement. Um, we're proud to work behind the scenes at TYT to create online content that's bold, entertaining, and unapologetically progressive. There is no other news and talk network quite like TYT, and the perspective our network brings to its political coverage is resolutely pro-justice and pro-worker. Well, they're they're right there. They've been very pro-worker. They've made that clear. Mm -hmm. We're proud of our content, and we're proud, too, to put into practice in our workplace the values that our work helps bring to the screen every day. In our decision to go union, we join the wave of recent and organizing in digital media. And we stand in solidarity with the renaissance of labor activism we see now in workplaces of all kinds throughout the country. Okay. First of all, hold up. I know that Blaze right now is so happy that they're a conservative outlet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, this isn't this isn't the first uh, digital media outlet like yeah. that alludes to that's tried this. I think we've had, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to say Slate specifically, but Slate-esque networks have gone yeah. through things before and well, we'll get to what's how that's gone down for them. But, you know, obviously you read that statement, you think, OK, as good progressives, TYT, of course, they're like going to embrace this union. They've been very pro-union in the past. Um, other people have kind of done co clip compilations of all the times Jenk specifically. Jenk, I think, is how I'm supposed to pronounce his you name. You know who people we're talking have, about. Yeah, well, people have corrected me in the past. So I, I want to get it right. Um, so, yeah, this makes sense. Practicing what they preach. Good for them. Um and I just want to say unions do seem to be a bigger issue this election cycle than I think in 2016. Like, I feel mm. like every Democratic candidate right now, they have something on their platform or website trying to, like, out pro-union the other candidates. Um, we've also seen just, like, activist rhetoric all over the left become intersectional 
in the sense of including unions, right? The Women's March now had this this whole section about unions on their site, environmentalist stuff too, like Extinction Rebellion now is kind of incorporating yeah. unions into climate activism. It's all worker co-op-ish. Um, but where the story gets interesting is that according to this article we're going to be going over from the Huffington Post, um, all is not well among TYT and their employers wanting to unionize. So this article reads, top leadership at the progressive net news network, The Young Turks, held an all-staff meeting at its office in Culver City, California on February 12th. So incidentally, the same day this statement by the uh, the union page was released. The regularly scheduled gathering was supposed to deal with personnel matters, but instead the focus turned to the staff's nascent union campaign, which had just con- gone public. Earlier that day, a Twitter handle claiming to represent TYT employees had announced on the social media platform their intention to form a union. In the staff meeting, the network's co-founder and influential host, Cenk Uger, or urged employees not to do so, arguing that a union does not belong at a small independent outlet like TYT, Mm. according to two workers who were present. He said if there had been a union at the network, it would not have grown the way it has. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait a second. Doing the math here. Yeah, like, all right. Is is Jenk saying that unions hurt growth? That that unions aren't good for for businesses that want to expand, expand maybe smaller businesses? That unions could actually jeopardize the future? Of some businesses, that's uh, because I I thought unions were always amazing, and it was just greedy capitalism and corporate greed that would want to prevent unions from forming. Unions are universally know. good, just like all migrants. Yeah, always, always good. The more, the beneficial. better. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so he he claims that they're in a precarious position, right there, admitting that unions can and do hurt growth and hurt business and stuff. He, he continues that in an interview with HuffPost, Uger said he is a strong supporter of unions, especially at large corporations that aren't sharing profits with their workers. But he said he worries a unionized workforce would bring new legal and bureaucratic costs that TYT can't sustain. What? Are you saying <sighs> unions increase the bureaucratic and legal costs, not just all benefits to the workers who are being robbed of the fruits of their labor by a capitalist system? So weird. The network has a growing subscription base and has raised venture capital money, but faces many of the same headwinds as other online media dealing with the collapse of ad revenue. The reality is we're in a precarious position, Uger said. We're in a digital media landscape where almost no one makes money or is sustainable. Okay, so here he's making a distinction between like, oh, no, I still think unions for big corporations are good. It's just, you know, we're, we're, we're a small company, so it's, it's Walmart different. thinks otherwise. They're yeah. one of my favorites, honestly. <laughs> um, but like, it was, I, I mean this honestly, I'm genuinely asking is that distinction he's just made there between small and big business something he's ever mentioned before when talking about unions or is this new because it's applying to him? Like, I'm, I'm, I honestly, I'm asking you guys, if anyone knows, I would love to hear it. Kind of seems like he's just trying to cover his own butt here. And right. I love that they bring up that he's received venture capital because, by the yes. way, um, TYT has backing, all right? They have Lots. backing. They are the largest, I think, like, online news network right now um in 2017 they received 20 million dollars in funding and they ended up doubling their staff um by the way anyone wants to invest give us 20 million hey i'm listening right here right here Um, um they also just received another funding project from youtube that's supposed to be i think in the mid six figure range and you know what their views that's what angers me is youtube's actually giving them money on their platform unlike ours we cover basically the same thing yeah but like we are kind of like shanked in the algorithm buried and they're propped up and even then their views are not that impressive yeah they're really not that impressive 
you know they they put out a lot of content like multiple yeah. videos a day but it's it's their their views are like they often get less views than our videos it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it's mind boggling so and like that's that's the thing i mean like you you talk about being in a precarious position like that's true for a lot of small businesses but also maybe you just need to look at your business model a little bit more i'm just i'm just saying a lot of uh, conservative networks are kind of killing it with just subscription models i mm. don't know um so if the young turks is a small business it makes me wonder what counts as a big business like, is it literally just Amazon or Walmart that you think should be unionizing? Because usually when we talk about, like, financial issues, 50 is the cutoff for smaller big business. That's kind of been the cutoff when it comes to things like um, providing health care and stuff to your employees. Yeah. Young Turks is bigger than 50. Yeah. Uh, small businesses, in my mind, don't get $20 million in backing. So it's like, are you are you pulling a Bernie Sanders where Bernie Sanders were before you used to... Con- condemn millionaires and billionaires then you became a millionaire and now it's just the billionaires that are bad mm. like unions are good for every company except whatever size company i happen to run you know what the problem is that economics are so boring that's the real problem here because everyone that takes economics first of all no economics is not boring lauren is yeah insane love... she's tried to make me like listen to audiobooks on like basic economics it's thomas like, soul it's thomas soul it's like i've already taken these classes lauren you know how, and it's and they killed me when i took them too they were so boring and, but the point is nobody likes economics and every, <laughs> but everybody that does study economics is like pretty much clearly libertarian yeah yeah they've actually <laughs> done know? studies about that right i mean it's it's like there's a wide consensus within that field of study that as yeah. soon as you come into these sorts of realities where Cenk actually looks at his business model and, and he's, he's like, like, wait a second, like the numbers are all going through his brain and then yeah. he gets out the calculator because it's too, uh, but, um, you, you, you have your ideology to, yeah. comes up against reality and reality. Numbers, exactly. And there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, he continued he, for a smaller digital media company. Those are absolutely real considerations. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a union. Everyone should know the full context. If folks say they don't believe we're in a precarious position, okay, and that's their decision to make. Uyghur said he was caught off guard by the union effort that appeared on Twitter the day of the meeting and that it was so early in the process he wasn't sure if it was real or if he was being punked. He acknowledged that he threw papers in the meeting in a downward direction, so he threw down papers, uh, not toward anyone, he noted, and that he reprimanded an employee whom he believed to be smiling. According to staffers, Uyghur said it would be funny later, an ominous statement they found unsettling. He told HuffPost it wasn't meant to be a threat. The person smiling seemed to be openly mocking the idea that the company might not survive after 18 years, and we put all this blood, sweat, and tears into it, he said. I don't find the idea of us going un- us going down funny. Okay. I do. Well, here's the thing. This, this is a great example. Like, a random employee, yeah, they're obviously not going to care about the future of TYT as much as Jank Uber yeah. himself is. And that's fair. He is the owner, the founder. He's spent 18 years working on this. Like, I don't agree with him, but I can't deny he's clearly put his blood, sweat, and tears into this company. That's probably made him fairly wealthy. I don't know his value, but I'm sure he's probably Pretty good, near, right? And probably near seven digits. Versus some person who's maybe only been working there a few months, maybe a few years. This is just mm. a job to them. Of course, they're not going to have the same investment in the company that Jank Uger is. But But that's how, like, private ownership of companies work right that's the point and i think he's learning this in a very real way that wait a second maybe the idea that we should all just have ownership in everything and that you know the people at the top are just not putting in as much work and just coasting off the workers maybe that's not true i'm hoping these are the wheels that are turning in his head but i don't know Mm. i don't know um 
I also find it funny that he was so like uh, iron fisted with these people, throwing yeah. papers. Yeah, you you bust those threats. unions, Jenk. You you do it. It's like okay, maybe they need a union there. Actually, maybe they need maybe they need to be protected from this guy. Yeah, you know. Goodness. All of a sudden, we're supporting unions here. No, you know? speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm joking. I, for them, for them, sure. Because <laughs> I think it's deliciously ironic. It is. The article continues, as the union's path became more public, Uger suggested on Twitter that the union campaign was politically motivated by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, the union trying to organize TYT employees. IATSE endorsed Smith, who is the person running against Jenk in the congressional race. Uh, but staffers said their first organizing discussions date back more than two years, and their recent attempt to round up support began shortly before Uger declared his candidacy, a timeline confirmed by a union organizer. IATSE has asked TYT management to voluntarily recognize the union through card check, saying a clear majority of staffers who would be presented, represented, have signed union cards. But TYT management has proposed having the workers vote in a secret ballot election to be administered by a third party outside the National Labor Relations Board. Uger told HuffPost, he wants a secret ballot election because a few employees told him after the meeting that they do not support a union. Some, not all, he said. Am I supposed to say I don't care what you want, he said? That's crazy. So he's trying to, they're trying to position it as like, no, no, we were open to it. We just want to make sure that that's what they want. And um, here's the thing. I believe in right to work policies. I think if a worker doesn't want to be part of a union, they shouldn't have to be, right? Yeah, and I've heard even definitely. teachers complain that they don't like their unions because they feel all they do is take money from them and try to control them and they don't have the independence. So uh, I, I believe in right to work. My whole approach with companies is freedom of association. If you and some of your coworkers say, hey, we want to collectively bargain, form a union, I think you should be able to do that. But the thing is, if your employer wants to say, Nah, no, I, I don't think so. If you guys want to do that, I'm either going to just fire you or hire other people. They should also be able to do that. And I right. think if some other guy shows up and says, hey, I want a job and I don't want to unionize, that's his right too. And the company should have the right to hire that outside person. You know, I mean, you can form a union if you want, but the minute you add coercion, which is how so many unions nowadays operate, yeah. Then, then I'm out. Yeah, saying you have to be part of a union, don't like that. Saying the company's ha the company has to recognize the union. Uh uh. Saying the government must provide protections to the union. All against that. Maybe Jenk is also coming around because it seems like he's a. Uh, it's kind of seeing eye to eye with me on this, but uh, no. Um, he, he on on Twitter he did try to clarify his posi position. He said, "No, I'm not anti-union. Uh, if they want to unionize, it's fine. I just don't trust this union association." But this is what the uh, TYT union account said in response to that. They said, we have officially notified the company that their election proposal doesn't work for us. They're referring to the secret election they, or ballot that Jenk was talking about. They said, we already voted by signing union cards. We offered to have a neutral party confirm our majority on cards. Progressives and all the major Democratic pre presidential candidates agree that card check is the fair way for workers to democratically choose a union without being bullied by the boss. The Young Turks said they would only recognize our union after having us vote again in an election on the company's terms. TYT made no offer to remain neutral in any new election. This lack of employer neutrality is especially troubling given management's union-busting conduct in a mandatory captive audience staff meeting held on Wednesday, February 12th. So that's the meeting the HuffPo was talking about. 
Worse, TYT is attempting to manipulate who is eligible for the election, including trying to exclude multiple co-workers who share a community of interest, another textbook union-busting tactic. The way forward is clear. TYT needs to respect the choice we have already made instead of trying to pressure us out of it. So clearly there's still tensions going on. I don't know what's going to happen. That's the latest on it. But mm. honestly, I think they're going to have to give in eventually because it's just like yeah. this looks too bad. Their employees are clearly not – they seem very – like we are unionizing and that's that and i mean yeah i i hope that in the future if if jank ever does cover anything about unions maybe this will give him a little bit more of a balanced view as to some of the struggles that unions can provide companies with yeah we actually do have an interesting question from the chat that i think uh is worth mentioning and they asked if it's coercion for a boss to fire uh, some employees that want to unionize what do you think about that I think to me the obvious answer is no, no, because you own the company. You as someone, just think of it as a small, small. Yeah, you own business, the company. Right? It's you don't. Like... You you have the choice in who works for you. And if yeah. if it's someone, the smaller you look at the company, the more realistic, the more concrete this should be in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. So you you cannot afford certain things. Yeah. The small like in these businesses, and you have to just say, listen, I can't afford a union. Right. It doesn't work for me. I have to. Because the thing with like unions is nowadays it's not just like they are coercive it's not like you, yeah. they're free agents like they're bullies oh uh, yeah a lot of companies like you have to legally recognize the union that is coercive you don't have a choice a lot of workers if you want to work in a specific field you have to be part of yes. that union yeah. you don't have a choice right bosses should have a choice whether to, they fire you something which the unions actually don't agree on <laughs> because they, ha they they have all types of rules against that but yeah i mean yeah, like why does someone have a right to the money of another person they don't right, right. that's the thing it's like a yeah they don't have a right to the money of another person they don't have a right to work at your company mm -hmm. it, it they, they just don't if you and your colleagues have enough skills that are enough of a, a valuable asset to the company then you are obviously are going to have more bargaining power but yeah. if there's someone down the street who can do the same job as you for less money and they're not going to cause management problems why should management favor you over them that's just how jobs work right mm. it, it, it just is all right uh next story <laughs> this one is this one is funny but also not feminists want to abolish the family that's that's kind of a meme right they want to destroy the family uh and i think it's definitely true that third wave feminism it's not pro-family and there are a lot of things that it advocates for that i think have helped lead to the ongoing destruction of the family it's just anti-status quo basically every corner yeah but but at know. the same time to be fair i don't think that every feminist literally wants that there are tons of people who will just call themselves feminists who like they don't want to subvert the family they're yeah. just like yeah equality so those people exist too in this segment though we are going to meet a feminist who who actually does want to abolish the family like that those are her words specifically we have this piece uh from vice that we're going to go through which by the way was crazy long like i was reading this piece this is this is like a novella i kept scrolling mm. and it just didn't end and also the the way it was written i'm pretty sure Tim Poole has mentioned this about some writers too. Like this person wanted to be a novelist, but obviously didn't work out. So now they're doing articles, but they're trying to like incorporate all this like flowy language. It's like, just tell me about the crazy feminist. That's all I came here for. All right, but um, here we go. Earlier this month at a lecture in lower Manhattan hosted by the art journal Eflux, the art journal Eflux, Lewis, the author in question, who is 32, reflected on what some might see as an obvious irony to her crisscrossing the ocean to care for her ailing mother. Verso Books had just published her first book, Full Surrogacy Now, a polemic that calls for abolishing the family. So in 
I'll I'll read a bit more, and then I'll explain. 2019, in addition to its more general geopolitical ghoulishness, has been a difficult one for this particular family abolitionist, Lewis told the audience of about two dozen. It's been surreal because the temporal coincidence of the full surrogacy launch with this unprecedented requirement for me that I be at my closest buyer relative's bedside brought... I know, right? Like, what is this? You're a psychopath. Brought the stakes of my subject matter to life with almost unbearable intensity. Translation, there is an author who's written a book called Full Surrogacy Now that is advocating for the abolition of the family. But at the time that this book is being released, uh, unfortunately, her mother is having health problems and she's had to be, you know, by her bedside and type sort of caring for her. That could have been said in so just fewer words by both of those people. But we continue. When Lewis demands full surrogacy now, she isn't talking about commercial surrogacy or surrogacy TM, as she puts it. Instead, she uses the surrogacy industry to build the argument that all gestation is work because of the immense physical and emotional labor it requires of those who do it. She often refers to pregnancy as an extreme sport. If all forms of pregnancy count as work, we can take a clear-eyed look at our current working conditions. It is a wonder we let fetuses inside us, she says at the start of her book. Already a great person. Mm -hmm. Citing the roughly 1,000 people in the United States who still die as a result of pregnancy and childbirth each year. By the way, 350 million people in the U.S., I'm I'm not saying it's not sad, but let's put things into perspective. Infantismal. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly poor women and women of color. This situation is social, not simply natural. Things are like this for political and economic reasons. We made them this way. Okay. That's, yeah, those are two very different statements. Right. A couple things here. Um... When, when when feminists talk about stuff like this, the destruction of family, I think in this person's mind, she's trying to say that oh, everybody should be closer. Which it's just an extension of familial bonds, not the elimination of them. It's just everyone's going to be family. I think in her mind, um, she's not advocating this because she wants to take more care of other people's children and be more involved in other people's lives. I think it's so she can be less involved in her own family's life. And it kind be nice of if someone else took care of her closest by a relative, right? No, she kind of, she actually literally uses that example. She says, if this were the case, then my mother would have more than just me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Like she actually uses that example. So I don't think she's advocating this for like benevolent reasons. I just want to be able to love and care for more people. It's more like I want more people to be able to love and care for my responsibilities and and myself. And that's like, I feel like yeah. some of these, like they're so lazy. They're lazy and shel- shellfish, selfish. Like <laughs> pregnancy is work. Oh, we, we've seen articles saying emotional labor is work. It's like, no, that's just being an adult. That's just having friends and family. That's just having responsibilities to the people around you. Like you can't just call anything you don't like to do work. Uh, and also like the... <laughs> This situation is social, not simply natural, about the women dying in childbirth. I don't even know what she's trying to say about that. It's, it's white people's fault. Yeah. You know, I, I, that always gets me. Where it's like, it's like every complaint made by some type of subculture is valid sort of thing or whatever yeah. it is. It's like, and somehow it's, it's, it's always white people's fault at the, at the end of the day. Like, are you saying that if we were to abolish the family unit, there would be fewer deaths yeah well we'd all like, we'd all care for them together and uh well yeah. we'd all be one family essentially so that would make modern medicine just excel faster yes she continues and so we can also make them different lewis argues 
Um, she imagines a future where the labor of making new human beings is shared among all of us. Mother no longer being a natural category, but instead something we can choose. Okay, you can already choose to be like, that's already a choice you make. Like, I, I feel like, again, we see this with the abortion conversation. They act as if like motherhood and pregnancy just happens. Yeah, like, spontaneous. Out of nowhere, yeah. spontaneous, just like immaculate conceptions going all around. Like, no, everyone, like it should still be people choosing to be parents. I... Oh, goodness. Um, oopsie. Minimize that. She says, at this point, surrogacy becomes somewhat metaphorical. Lewis isn't asking that we all agree to physically gestate fetuses that aren't biologically ours. The ones that it's a wonder we allow into our bodies in the first place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, her radical proposition is that we practice full surrogacy by abolishing the family. That means caring for each other, not in discrete private unions. Units, also known as nuclear households, but rather within larger systems of care that can provide us with the love and support we can't always get from blood relations, something Lewis knows all too well. So essentially, she's hoping for like raising children in communes. Like, yes. It's, yeah, it's literally. literally Marxist BS, communal, communal ownership of everything, including children now. And you know what? I'm sorry she had a bad family experience. Mm -hmm. um, it's always sad to hear that kind of thing. Um, but I hate to say it, I would have guessed as much. It's like either she thinks this way about families because she had a horrible experience yeah. and that's why she's a miserable lout like she is clearly, or her family treated her poorly because she's a miserable lout. Yeah. I don't know what it Chicken was. Chicken and but, the egg, you know, which, came, which came first. Maybe no, a little but, bit of introspection Yeah, but she these, these are like people who we see it among feminists. We see it uh, among some men's groups now too who advocate for like abolishing marriage because some of the people they've dated are trash and they've had bad experiences. And it's like, okay. But for most other people, it's still a good, valuable thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, the article says, even those of us who might call our family situations relatively happy, and that's in quotes, whatever mm. that's worth, should sign onto this project of demolishing their essential structure, Lewis says. Nuclear households create the infrastructure for capitalism, passing wealth and property down family trees, concentrating it in the hands of the few at the top of our class hierarchy. Maintaining the traditional family structure over time has also meant exploiting people of color and disowning queer children. Does she think that, like, non-white people don't have families? It's like they just produce litter litters of children and then they just run around like you you realize that like in other cultures like yes the amount of connectedness to uh i guess extended family might vary some cultures are more in touch with their great aunts and second cousins and stuff um and more or less in touch with like their general communities but like the nuclear family like the connection the bond that exists between parents and children is universal, right? Like 99% yes, yeah. of cultures, I know someone might be like this one tribe in Papua New Guinea. Okay, 99, like scientific yeah. certainty, like it's if you are a human culture, the family-child bond means something to you. Um, of course, and in most social animals, in fact, right? Yeah, exactly. beyond even human beings. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there we go. Lewis isn't concerned with incremental changes within our existing systems. Full surrogacy now, for example, doesn't make any concrete policy proposals or spend time worrying over issues like the gender pay gap and paid family leave. She's concerned with much bolder possibilities. In Lewis's utopian future, the family as we know it no longer exists. Everyone, regardless of gender, is a surrogate. We mother each other. Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, I, I, I can't take this stuff seriously anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't have the energy to be charitable or re- have given this sort of This person is a crazy person. This seems like someone who is off the rocker that hates basically everything in Western society, yeah. has no reason behind it, has a utopian idea, and they're just acutely miserable. It's yeah. like, why do I, why? This is the thing, the fact their that ideas this, are not important. this person got published, like, because in, in, in the past, in past generations this would have just been some random person yelling on the street corner throwing cats at people like that character in the simpsons the crazy cat lady yeah 30 years ago that would have been this person now it's 2020 we're gonna give her a book and we're gonna give her a 400 page spread in vice um i've seen 4chan threads about how elvis is actually secretly alive that make more sense than what we've just (laughs) gone through I'm, i'm not even kidding like and again, I don't think... You held that hope, didn't you? Yeah. I love Elvis. <laughs> I don't think this person... Like, they're painting it. It's like, no, we want more responsibility for everybody, more family. It's like, no, you don't. No. You just... You don't want to be able to mother other people's kids. You don't want to have to mother your own. But I also think that they they want some kind of central system to mother the kids of children of for the parents they don't like. Yeah, you know I mean? no, exactly. So it's, it's like, this is the kind of person that wants these elementary schools bringing in drag. This mm-hmm. is the kind of person that... You're exactly you know, wants right. to expose your kids to LGBT pride parades at a young age. Yeah. Uh, that wants to destroy basically everything that you've held dear in Western society. I don't yeah. know. That because it, it's so, so true. This person is actually coming out and saying it. But the policies we've been seeing over the past decade or so, they are kind of stepping stones for what she's advocating. Yeah. Abolishing the family unit. Like you yourself are not kind of the primary ter- caretaker of your child. That's why like the school system is centralized, run by the government. Uh, Bernie Sanders wants like free, quote unquote, universal health care. So it's like you you go to work, you leave your kid with someone someone else, like, I don't know, maybe who's on some government program as to what they should or should not teach the kid. Yep. Then the kid gets a bit older, goes to a school that you also aren't in charge of what they're learning. You get to work later than they finish school. So then they go back to that daycare system. And it's like your kids are being raised by another person. So, I mean, we can laugh at this person. And I think it's a good thing we do because they're ridiculous. But also, this is more and more the dystopian reality that uh, that we are living in. And it's very, very terrifying. So, yeah, looking, looking good for the This would have been a great time to plug century. in Laurel Springs. Yeah, no, seriously, guys. Homeschool your children. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Several of these stories, actually. Actually, this next one also lends itself to homeschooling. Goodness. Um, Our next story is about someone whom people are calling the anti-Greta. Of course, referring to Greta Thunberg, who's the, I think she's now 17-year-old Swedish wunderkind. And um, she it seems increasingly radical climate change alarmist. Like she's, I think, like saying more and more crazy stuff, like stop using uh, fossil fuels entirely. She's a kid who's gotten encouragement and it's become an identity. It's going to, it's like uh, all those like David Hogg and all those guys. It's just. You know, yeah, it's kind of sad because like we're chewing up these kids and spitting them out <sighs> and in, in five years. Is she still going to be relevant? I don't know. But there's a new kid on the block in the realm of climate activism. And her name is Naomi Zeit. Zeit. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. So she's German. She's 19. So older than Greta. Uh, Greta Actually was an adult. Yeah. Greta was 15 when she started on this. Uh, she's 19. I think it's important to point that out. She recently entered into a partnership with the Heartland Institute. I'm not familiar with them, but apparently they are a libertarian think tank. And uh, they put a video together. We have a clip of it. We are currently being force fed 
a very dystopian agenda of climate alarmism that tells us that we as humans are destroying the planet and that the young people especially have no future, that the animals are dying, that we are ruining nature. We at the Heartland Institute, we want to spread truth about the science behind climate realism, which is essentially the opposite of climate alarmism. And I believe it is important that we act now and change this entire mainstream narrative of fear-mongering and climate alarmism. Okay, so very obviously, she's being promoted as the like yeah. the anti-Greta, like the climate skeptic's response to Greta Thunberg. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, she doesn't like the name anti-Greta because it I mean, it, it's fair enough. It implies I exactly what it is. I hate to say it. Yeah. Reactionary. This is a reactionary movement, in my opinion. Yeah, and it is. It's kind of strange why all these like female kids, with, like blonde hair and blue eye, like Europeans, keep being like propped up to tell us about the climate, which is I think should be an entirely like kind of scientific or policy based discussion. Yeah. It just it feels. And again, like this, this isn't a comment on Naomi or Greta specifically because they should be free. They're not, you know, five-year-olds. They should be free to voice their own opinions. But it's like the adults that are propping her up, right? That are trying to make her yeah. or trying to make them into using figureheads. Them. Yeah, yeah, I think using them. them is like, why? Why do this? Um, but I mean, they do get attention. Greta gets tons of attention. And Naomi, she's already had a piece written up about her in the Washington Post. We have it here. The anti-Greta. See, they're literally saying anti-Greta. A conservative think tank takes on the global phenomenon. For climate skeptics, it's hard to compete with the youthful, youthful appeal of global phenomenon Greta Thunberg. I've never found her appealing. Maybe that's just me, though. But one U.S. think tank hopes it's found an answer, the anti-Greta. Naomi Zeibt is a 19-year-old German who, like Greta, is blonde, eloquent, and European. But Naomi denounces climate alarmism Alarmism calls climate consciousness a deep, a despicably anti-human ideology and has even deployed Greta's now famous how dare you line to take on the mainstream German media. She's a fantastic voice for free markets and for climate realism, said James Taylor, director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center for Climate and Environmental Policy at the Heartland Institute, an influential libertarian think tank in suburban Chicago that has the ear of the Trump administration. In December, Heartland headlined Naomi at its forum at the UN Climate Conference in Madrid, where Taylor described her as the star of the show. Last month, Heartland hired Naomi as the young face of its campaign to question the scientific consensus that human activity is causing dangerous global warming. Naomi said her political activism was sparked a few years ago when she began asking questions at school in Germany in Germany's liberal immigration policies. She, she said the backlash from teachers and other students hardened her skepticism about mainstream German thinking. More recently, she said that watching young people joining weekly Fridays for Future protests inspired by Greta helped spur her opposition to climate change activism. I get chills when I see those young people, especially at Fridays for Future. They are screaming and shouting, and they're generally terrified, she said in an interview. They don't want the world to end. Okay, so hearing about this girl's story, and obviously she's 19, she's old enough to vote, she's she's not literally a child like a 15-year-old, I understand her specific motivation for wanting to speak out, yeah, out about this. This is, is affecting her life directly. She's seen how this is, you know, changing the minds of her classmates, her entire generation. I'm glad that she's speaking out of this. I think there's a lot of people, especially in her age group, that she can kind of relate to and maybe talk about this issue with that you know, someone like me who's older wouldn't be able to do in the same way. But, you mm. know, trotting her out to the UN, it yeah. just 
It's not even her. It's not even Greta. It's just that the people who are doing this, you know, it's for an emotional response to say, hey, look, this is a child doing this. We this got is, the Greta This is a too. young person. Yeah, yeah. This, this should be emotional for you because they're the future, but also, oh, you can't attack them because look how young they are. Right. I mean, this, this, um, Naomi, she's going to be uh, speaking at CPAC on a panel sponsored by them, you know, again, with the UN thing. If you're a teen who naturally wants to talk about politics and, you know, like 15 or up where you actually are conscious about these issues, because I remember being 15, I cared about politics even then. Not Go me. for it. No. <laughs> Make a YouTube channel, blog, write articles for your school paper, uh, whatever. But it's just, you know, the UN, Time Magazine, freaking like the Church of Sweden with Greta. Like, why are you yeah, lionizing these teens? Yep. Like literally lionizing them mm -hmm. in the Church, Church of Sweden's case. Um, and it's just like, I, I don't know why we're not having more of a rational conversation about some, something like climate change. I feel like yeah. this issue specifically, all issues, but this issue specifically, it's like the rhetoric has been dialed up and yep. the dogma has been dialed up. And then like any rational conversation has just been like minimized. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and you know, I think that this is like a pretty cringy move by some people to, to do all this propping up of, mm -hmm. of youth on either side, but particularly on the right, because it is, to me, it stinks of... It's copy-paste. Yeah, reactionary uh, behavior. And and I think that it's... I think that... Like, I've seen a lot of people say that the right should get off its high horse, play a little bit dirty, like the left always plays dirty. Yeah, I've heard people um, say that. The dissident right tends to say that. Yeah, and you know, but I see there's some value in that insofar as I think that what needs to happen is it needs... Like, the right needs to be culturally relevant. It needs mm -hmm. to be something that is actually culturally uh, appropriate. And you yeah, see and the left that's, dominates. But that's um, probably what they're trying with her. That's what you know, they're she's, trying to she's do. She's young, yes. she's attractive, she's well-spoken. Except it stinks of boomerism. That's the problem. <laughs> Everybody knows it. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but it's like, that is... Well... Un, like, I don't want to be too harsh here, but... Yeah, that that seems to be a way to become a, a joke. Yeah, more, more well, it, it kind of, I, I could see the criticism of like, you know, astroturfing. Yeah. It's like when you try to do something grassroots, but it's actually not that grassroots. Yeah. And so, I mean, like for all of Greta's, I have a lot of criticisms about the movement surrounding her. She did go viral kind of organically. Yes, I agree the with Which the Washington Post article talks about. Um, yeah. Okay, so what about her age though? Like, do you think the fact that she's 19 legally an adult like she's graduated yeah. high school and like greta who i guess just does she go to school anymore i don't even know like I, I, you know she's she's old enough to vote so i think with her especially like i i, I don't think we can just say oh it's a child we, we don't need to listen to her which i have said about greta because she's she's mm. part of the franchise or she would be in pretty much every democracy that i can think of yeah so i mean i mean to me yeah there's a legal difference yeah which and we've had this discussion before I think that the law is wrong. I also think that the uh, law is wrong. I was going to bring that up. We should raise the voting age, but continue. <laughs> so it's it's like, yeah, there's a legal difference. But it, for I don't think that the, that someone who, who magically turns 18 overnight becomes mm -hmm. an adult. You know, I, frankly, the you know, there, there are some formative years in between 18 and your early 20s that make a huge difference in, in terms of becoming an adult, not only in terms of your actual mental development but yeah. in terms of your daily practices the way you actually live your life you start mm -hmm. to live more like an adult way later than 18 i think so yeah. I, yeah there is a legal distinction and i think that's important and i think that it's good that she's over 18 if we're mm -hmm. doing if, if we are going to be bringing her onto these panels i think that that's important but yeah. because at least like yeah. i feel like with her she can consent to all of this with yes. more yeah. of an adult point of view versus someone like greta like this what's happened to her has kind of changed her life i 
think it's too early to say whether it's been for the better or for the worse. But at least, you, you know, being thrust on the public stage at 19 is different than 15. Um, people have said like, oh, well, you know, Washington Post has done an article about her. People are going to kind of try to destroy her life over this because she is speaking out about something that people are dogmatic about. Yeah. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that's probably true. I think the media, this is the first piece from a mainstream outlet that I've seen on her. I, I think the media is going to be really vicious toward her in the yeah. future if she does kind of continue to gain popularity, which is too bad. But, uh, you know, on the brighter side, not that it is a brighter side, she's maybe a little bit more emotionally mature and capable of dealing with that. Yeah. And I really hope she does have that. I mean, just being anywhere online. I mean, mm -hmm. to be honest, even Greta, like people on the right are not very, very mean to Greta. Like yeah. she's, we got to remember she is like 17 or 16. And, yeah. you know, yeah, she's I find her unlikable. Um, I'll be honest. Yeah. But but she's still she's a, a kid. Kid, right? Yeah, and she's which a kid. is annoying because that's why they do it. Like that's yes, <laughs> I know. I know. But yeah, it's we all, can. I'm yeah. for criticizing bad ideas, and I'm for criticizing manipulative political maneuvers. But that doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. To yeah, you don't a need kid. the ad hominems in there, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, something that I do think is interesting, though, and where I am glad that uh, Sky News Australia specifically spoke to Naomi about is that she. Uh, I think it was valuable to hear. Her experience as a young person, specifically what's going on in the education system right now, because mm. I think a lot of us like myself and you, you're, you know, there's university, but like I haven't been in elementary school or like a high school. I graduated when I was 16. It's been like 10 years since I've been in one of these school systems. Yeah. I don't know what's happening anymore. Uh, when she was interviewed with by Sky News, she was able to talk about what things are like now. And I think it was it was pretty illuminating to hear climate skepticism or climate realism isn't even an option at this point. Um, there is no alternative view to, um, to well, there is climate change and climate change is man-made. That, uh, that is just the mainstream view. And so uh, when we talked about climate change at school, whenever it came, came up, uh, the question was not, is there man-made climate change and how, how much of an effect do um, human uh, carbon emis emissions have on the climate? So I think that's that's really insightful. And she's speaking to her own experience. So like when it's something about climate change, I, I, I would I love to see when people talk about graphs like I'm I consider myself a climate centrist like I'm pretty middle I don't know what road. that means. I have no idea. What I don't think the world is going to end in 12 years. And yeah. I do think that pollution is still bad. But yeah. it's like I like it when people talk about like, OK, CO2 is CO2 levels are rising. That's true. But let's look at the like total percentage of CO2 CO2 that humans are contributing to versus the general atmosphere. Like that to me is kind of relevant. Yeah. We don't spend enough time talking about stuff like that. This, her own experiences, knowing what's being taught in German schools, I think is valuable because um, I, I think a lot of people would be shocked to hear it. I am not shocked. I assume like she's referring specifically to Germany. I know for like in Canada, this is what's happening. Yep. I think it tons of schools in the States this is what's happening. In the UK, absolutely. This is for what's sure. happening. Um, in Scotland, they've probably stopped using electricity altogether <laughs> in school. <laughs> yeah. So this is pretty shocking. I would love to know what you guys think. Is this a good move? On the right, like, this is something we should be doing more, trying to, like, beat the left at their own game. Do you think this is going to backfire? Is she going to be, like, our our new, like, symbol of, like, climate skepticism? I don't know. Mm. Let, let us know. I will be watching this with curiosity. Um, I think that's pretty much all 
we have to say though. Um, and as always, we will see you guys next week. If you are a live viewer though, don't forget to stay on this stream because we're gonna be back in just a few seconds with some Q&A. We'll see you next time though.